This episode contains explicit language, starting now. Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, April 28th, the I Swear It's a Fucking Problem edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. And I live in Detroit with my family. My kids are Noah, who's four, and Ami, who's one. Well, today on the show, we've got an eight-year-old who has harnessed the power of swear words, and it is causing family chaos. Then on Slate Plus, we're going to discuss all things hobbies. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. If I can just like fit in like one New Yorker article, I feel like I'm on vacation because I'm inevitably... nine times out of 10, getting interrupted by one of my kids asking me for something. So I love that you included reading and movies because I think there are people who do that, but think it's like, that's like not enough. If you want a weekly bonus segment from us and your other Slate favorites, consider signing up for Slate Plus. You'll never be bothered by a pesky ad and get unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash plus. Again, that's slate.com slash plus. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll dive into our triumphs and fails of the week. If you're new to our show, welcome. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just interested in this wild journey, we're so glad to have you. Here on Mom and Dad Are Fighting, we share our parenting triumphs and fails, offer some advice, and share recommendations of things we love. We're here twice a week on Monday and Thursday, so subscribe to never miss an episode. We're back and moving on to some parenting stories. Zach, what do you have going on this week? Well, here in Detroit, what is it? Late April, it finally got above 50 degrees this past weekend. We've been in winter for, you know, six months. So like we have just been waiting with bated breath for the weather to change because it changes everything. It changes um, my personality and it changes what we can do (laughs) as a family. And this past weekend, we got two days in a row of 70 plus degrees. And we went to one of my best friend's son's sixth birthday party and i can't even remember the last time we were at a party like covid has has put most of those i think all of them out of mind so it was like it was kind of like going to a party for the first time and i got to feel what it was like to like make small talk with people which i feel like i've just like haven't haven't had any opportunities to socialize with adults or other kids and it was so fun the weather was perfect it was at this nice park and later that day, we took our kids on, well, we took both kids on a, on a bike ride, and it was Ami's first bike ride, which is a Ooh. really big deal because we love riding bikes, and we have the, the seat uh, that goes on the back of the bike now for both kids. It was like a nice long ride, and we were sweating, and the kids were just like quiet and chilled out, and just like, I, I felt like they were... Um, as happy to be there as Shira and I. And it was like, it felt like a real win just to have made it through the winter, you know, a COVID winter where we were just like inside in our basement and it was like our coming out party. It felt great. And there's this one moment on our ride, we went out to a restaurant. It was actually too crowded to eat there. So we just turned around and came home. But, you know, it's about the journey, whatever. But on the way home from that restaurant on the east side of Detroit, 
I'm just like biking down the road and Noah is is on my back seat and Ami was was with Shira. Noah and I were like looking at buildings and I was pointing things out and I'm like, oh no, look, there's there's a pink building. She's like, oh cool, Dad, there's a blue building. And I'm like, ah, blue's my favorite color. And then she goes, Dada, you're my favorite color. Oh my gosh. And it was one of these things where That's amazing. I I could have like crashed the bike because <laughs> my heart was just melting um and it was just like one of these things where like oh my god you are just the sweetest and like this is this is a peak parenting moment yeah that i'll never forget because i don't know where she got that expression like that that mixed metaphor whatever that is like it was so loving and lovely and clever and um oh it just made my whole it made my whole weekend it was the sweetest thing you need to write that down and like tape it somewhere so that when she's a teen and screaming at you, you can remember that on this day that I'm her favorite you were color. her favorite color. <laughs> yeah. For a fleeting for a fleeting afternoon, I was her favorite color. Yeah, exactly. To level out the triumph of it. The next day, Noah got out of the bath and we spotted something um that looked um out of the ordinary. I don't have to say exactly what it is, but it concerned Shira and I, and we took her to the doctor, and sure enough, it's this thing where she's gonna have to have surgery to get it oh. removed it's not like it's it's pretty um minor according to the surgeon but like <laughs> for us it's like that's a big deal she has to get anesthetized yeah. um, so we, so we took her to see that doctor today um and we set up a later surgery and it's so hard to explain to a four-year-old like i don't even know how actually how we're going to explain it other than like we're going to get rid of this thing it's not going to hurt but like do we explain the anesthesia or is it just like we're gonna give you a bunch of tv and it's gonna be fine yeah we had we i struggle with this because we've had quite a few medical procedures um for henry and obviously he's getting older and so it's a little bit easier but the thing is like i swear the anxiety is worse than the actual procedure and Mm -hmm. in my experience the children remember none of it like they go in there's yeah exactly there's a bunch of tv like i feel like you have to explain some of it, but it also makes them so worried about, like, going to sleep, but you're not going to, like, remember this sleep, and it's, you know, it's, like, totally different. But I will warn you that coming out of anesthesia for young kids is terrible. They won't remember any of it, but it is it is rough on the parents. We had our, our first, like, okay coming out of anesthesia with his tonsillectomy, um, but they just are, like, confused, and their brains are... I don't know, rebooting. Yeah. Um, but I, every experience I have felt like, well, this was terrible for me. Like I spent a lot of time preparing yeah. you. <laughs> no time preparing, preparing me. Um, How long did that foggy brain last? I mean, it lasts like 45 minutes, right? And yeah. then they're, okay. then they're like coming out and they're in this hospital, but they, it, it's like when the brain comes back, they freak out. And they tell you that, like the doctor hmm. explains that to you, but um it's not when he woke up this time, it was more of like the adult kind of groggy saying things and then forgetting he had say, said them asking again. Yeah. Um, but when he went under, we watched a whole movie together that he doesn't remember. <laughs> What'd you <laughs> watch? Way out. <laughs> I don't really remember it either. Yeah. <laughs> and also like it's the, the surgery is scheduled for like a month from now. So I feel like we shouldn't even talk about it. No, until, like, like right, a couple I'd days say before, like right or... before, unless yeah. she asks about the doctor visit. I, I think yeah. there's like, time to prepare but if you tell her now there's like a lot of times to think about all the bad things yeah and and it's sort of like why put that burden on her 
Yeah. As opposed to, you know, like, hey, we're going to answer. I'm going to tell you now. And now we have 24 hours to answer all your questions. <laughs> right. Right. Um, you know, and she comes home same day, right? She'll come home same same day, day. And the doctor said, like, she'll be running around that day. That's like a big parenting milestone, though. It is. Yes. One that I'm not looking forward to. But I am glad that it's a, a relatively basic procedure. How about you? What's going on in your world? So I also have kind of a quandary. So we signed Oliver up for track this spring track program that they call land sharks here the motivation for signing him up was that on tuesdays i take the kids to school tuesdays is his one day full day program for homeschool and a friend picks him up and both of the friends other children were going to do this running program so that if oliver did it she could just take them all there and then i meet her there because teddy is also also doing it Mm. and it's, it was just kind of a way that we could get them out doing something on a team. Oliver doesn't really always like to be around a lot of people, so this seemed like a good introduction. Our friends are doing it. If he didn't do it, he would need to ride and stay there anyway. It wasn't that expensive. So it was like, okay, we're putting him into this track team. So that's been happening. The, the, the season is also very short. It's like six weeks. Mm-hmm. So we're two weeks in, and we had our first meet yesterday where they meet up with other teams from the same organization and run on one of the high school's tracks, and it's very cute and fun. Well, Oliver is not fast. He's also not very coordinated. He is in PT for a number of different issues. He likes going to practice. They play a lot of games. It's like good fitness for him. Um, they do some running and fencing. So he had kind. Of, he feels like okay, this is an extension of an activity that I like. But yesterday at the meet, he finished dead last in everything he ran in. Mm-hmm. Uh, he then overheard some children basically making fun of him now, not from his team, but from a different team. Um, And Jeff had taken him. I I was not there. I was picking up Henry and and doing some schoolwork with Henry. But when he got home, he was like, you know, so upset. And he's the kind of kid that Uh. normally we've done other races and he gets a ribbon and he doesn't really care. And so I gave him some time to calm down and I went upstairs. I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, um, it sounds like you had a tough time. And he was like, yes. And then I, unfortunately, was like, is this because you lost the race? You know, which was not the right thing to say. Um, He got very upset. But basically, it turns Mm. out he's upset about being made fun of for losing the race, which he sort of overheard other people talking from another team about how slow he was. You know, I said, today we have practice. Um, You're going to go to practice. And he was like, "Okay." He's like, I don't mind going to practice. I don't want to go to another meet. Now, there's only three more weeks left, I think, um, of this. And I'm just like really torn between, Mm -hmm. I feel like Henry or Teddy, I would be like, get back out there. We're going to try again. Mm. And if you still don't like it after a second meet, you don't have to go to the meets. Um, We can just go to practice. That's totally fine. But for some reason with Oliver, I just, I can't decide whether he needs the push to go do the meet. Like, let's try it again. And here are the things I can try to do to make this a better experience for you. Or do I just say to him, like, cool, if you don't want to compete doing this, but you like to just go do it, it's like a you're doing the social thing, which is the reason that I signed him up, mm-hmm. and you're practicing, and you're happy when you're there, does he need to go to these meets, you know? Where he may get made fun of some more. I'm just yeah. a little torn on where yeah. the next step is with him. It's a tough one. Um, have you Have you suggested, like, 
what what if we try one more meet and then after that you can decide what you want to do because the first one is always the you know yeah. the most challenging that you you kind of already know what it's going to be like maybe the second one now that you kind of know you know how it's going to go like the structure of it not necessarily the result but like you know, yeah, I mean, maybe he didn't little... even really know to start with everyone else. Like Jeff yeah. brought a video of like everyone runs and then he's like, oh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I need to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the other thing is that Teddy's going to go. So I sort of wondered if like come the meet day, I should say like, well, we're going. And if you get there and you want to run, great. And if you don't want to run, that's OK. But we're going to go to the meet. Uh Um, because maybe given the opportunity to not have to sit for 40 minutes, you'd be like, okay, I'd like to, to run. But I, I mean, he's in, he's involved in all sorts of activities, none of of which he he has quit. No, no. Right. So, so the fact that he might leave this doesn't mean that this is setting a precedent because this is one of many things. Yeah. We don't have to like, just like opt into everything. No, exa- exactly. And I mean, I was kind of impressed that he he offered like, well, I'm still going to go to the practice, right? Because again, I didn't sign him up for the meet. Yeah, I signed him right. up Which is a for good the like, social of, hey, we're going to go do this because mm-hmm. our friends are doing this mm-hmm. and we might have fun. Right. Um, I know. I just, I also always feel like, am I missing an opportunity to have him gain some confidence that like, I went the first time and it was terrible. And I went the second time and it was less bad mm-hmm. because some of adulthood is like, well, that was terrible, but I have to go mm-hmm. again. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> and it that's will be true. less bad. And I wonder if there's something that the coach can do to encourage his teammates to encourage mm. him. That's a really see, good. You see there, you you kind of get the the, the power of of the team, that's, yeah. which is like a really amazing thing. Like I, I play kickball to this day because I love that feeling of yeah. being in solidarity with my teammates. So I think perhaps if he gets encouragement from them, it might count more than encouragement from you or the coach. So that's maybe, maybe so great because I'm sitting here thinking too, like that's the reason I put him in this was like to get right. that team. He tends to like to do kind of individual stuff. Yeah. And so like perhaps there's just like, a you know, a particularly mature kid who the coach can take aside and kind of explain what's going on. Yeah, like, can a kid show him where to line up and show him this on that race day yeah. um, and be kind of his buddy and someone that might stick up for him, too, if he heard mm-hmm. this, you know, <laughs> like, we don't say that about other other kids. Um, I remember yeah. those kids from my childhood, like the the kids who kind of pulled me aside and said, like, this is how this is how it works. Those are yeah. those are invaluable um, moments. That's like a great suggestion. OK. I'm going to do yeah, that today. Please report and back. And I'll report next back week. on how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> and if we make it to another meet. Yes. Well, with that, with that off my heart right now, I'm like, <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> utilizing my time for advice for myself. I love it. That's what we're here for. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we'll get into today's listener question. Okay. Should we hear our listener question? It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, I'm in desperate need of some advice. My kid has picked up swearing and now curses all the time, including at us. We need help. A year ago, we moved to a new town. Our five-year-old is acclimating well, but our eight-year-old is struggling. He is charismatic, makes friends easily, gets good grades, and is generally well-behaved everywhere but at home. 
Since we moved, he slowly started acting more tough, teasing his younger sibling and being more aggressive. I suspect he's picking it up from his new friends. I get the sense that there's a bullying issue here that we didn't see as much in our old town. Until a couple of months ago, he never said a swear word in his life. And now somehow he's dropping F-bombs right and left. We can't get him to stop. While I take a relaxed view on swearing, I have a sailor mouth myself. I try not to do it around the kids and certainly not at them. Now we somehow have a second grader who literally tonight just yelled, fuck you to me in front of his Catholic grandmother who nearly fainted. I don't know how we got here. We've tried incentive points to stop, which worked until it didn't. A swear jar, which just pissed him off more. And I've even threatened to take him to school to sit down with the guidance counselor and make a plan. He's horrified by thinking anyone outside the house would find out how he acts here. His reputation seems to be important to him and following the rules in other places. But he's taking out all his pent-up anger, channeling whatever influences he's getting all this from, and unleashing it all at home. He's told me he's learned some of it from older kids in his sports center. And as I heard myself saying, then I need to go in and talk to the coaches, I realized that's just going to make him not want to tell me the truth. Tonight, I asked him if he was proud of himself for what he said. And he said, I'm not proud, but I like hurting people's feelings when they're making me mad. But he's also said many times that he can't control his mouth. I don't want to shame him, but I'm at a loss. I know the cursing is a symptom, not the disease. So that doesn't help me figure out what to do. I'm terrified that this is just the beginning, and somehow my sweet boy is getting sucked into a culture of toxic masculinity that I won't be able to pull him back from. How doomed are we? I swear we've tried everything. I mean, eight-year-olds and swearing, I feel like that's like... When, when you start to hear these words for the first time, it's... Forgive my language. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. This, is, this is a new world that makes me feel older. It makes me feel mature. It makes me feel strong and sharp in ways that I didn't know I was capable of. So I totally get the allure of it. But there's a lot going on here. I mean, so the, much. Fact that, <laughs> the fact that he said, I like hurting people's feelings when they're making me mad. That's some real insight. Like he's insightful. He's he's kind of recognizing the cause and effect here. And I think that, you know, since that's the case, he is capable of kind of having an abstract conversation about why this isn't necessarily a great way to go about seeking vengeance in the world and why, you know, vengeance in an, in itself probably isn't isn't particularly productive. I was really interested to see that um, you've threatened to take him into the into the school to sit down with a guidance Let's counselor. Let's talk about this. <laughs> and he's horrified by that. So, like, maybe you should. I love that you pulled out this point. That's why I want to j- jump in because I'm one concerned that you threatened to take him to the counselor because I don't want this child to think that getting m- mental health care is a bad thing mm, or that's something that's done out of punishment. Um, yeah. I think instead, what you should say is. We need to go talk to this person because the the situation here is out of control. Like he's eight, he understands that. He understands that what he's doing is is bothering you, right? This is someone you can bring onto your team who deals with a lot of eight year olds. <laughs> like like yep. you have this resource, but I think you need to frame it like that. Like I I also am really 
concerned that the idea is that going to the counselor is somehow a punishment because right. I think for a child that is displaying like this, you need to let them know that this person is a safe person, right? Like clearly if they're trying to hurt you with their words, maybe you are currently not a safe person. They, you know, are taking so much out on you. Here is another adult that can be a safe person. And the fact that you have a sailor's mouth, um, obviously I do too. Like, I think you should just be honest about that too. And just talk about like, what are the consequences? Because I don't think, you know, and, and you probably don't either. I don't think swearing itself is inherently like awful or it's like but i think that the way that your son is weaponizing it is is the more troubling thing that when people are making him mad he's gonna lash out with swearing not to say that you know you should encourage swearing when it isn't for vengeance but i do think that like the main point here is like figuring out when people are making you upset there are other ways to respond yeah to me, there's like a big difference between swearing out of frustration mm-hmm. and this swearing that is almost verbal abuse. Like if you're using swearing yeah. at someone, it becomes yeah. something very different than when you mm-hmm. swear because you you are just so angry at the world. Yep. And eight is old enough to understand that difference. That, yeah. you know, a a like slamming of your fists and, and, and screaming the word of your choice is an outlet Mm-hmm. versus like, I'm now going to use this to hurt you. And I think he's old enough to have a conversation that yeah. about, hey, what's happening here is really verbal abuse. And that's why I have to say we have no tolerance for that. I was thinking about like what the line should be too, because if you're swearing in the house, like I think sometimes having a rule that we're all following can be good. Like this is kind of our family rule. And I think for you, it it may be something along the lines of, like, we don't use that sort of language towards people. At this point, trying to, like, reel it back in, like, this is out of the box, right? Right. Trying right. to reel it back in, I'm not sure it's going to be successful. But mm-hmm. setting some ground rules for when and how we use those words may be more helpful. Yeah. And it makes me think back to what we were talking about with track and thinking about are there older kids um, that that your kid looks up to that might be able to get to him in ways that you or the guidance counselor can't? Is there like an older cousin, you know, a friend of a family who is poised and cool in ways that your kid is uh, attracted to? And like maybe, maybe bringing them into the conversation to talk mm. about like, yeah, actually like calling other people like shithead or whatever isn't cool like it might make you feel better in the moment but like you're making other people feel small it doesn't make you sound that great and like the messenger is probably important because our parents tell us not to do things all the time because we think that they're just like being lame parents but again if it's like a kid a couple years older it might ring true um in a different way i sort of wonder too if the conversations she's trying to have are like in the moment Um, as opposed to after things have calmed down to say like, hey, what we have going with us is not good. Like He obviously knows that, right? And I think sometimes bringing that to light and acknowledging like, 
I don't like the things you're saying to me, and I also am not necessarily handling this right. So how can we work together that we have a better relationship? Because in the family, things work better when we're getting along. I mean, I would say I use this strategy with all of my kids when we've just had a, like, hey, yesterday was a train wreck. So what can we do so that because when we're all moving together, we all get to do the things we like and we're we're all happier. Um, so what can we do? And I don't think that it is necessarily different when he tells you the like, I'm not I'm not proud of what I'm doing, but I like hurting people's feelings. And also this idea of like he can't control his mouth. Like at some point he was able to tell you hey, when I'm mad, I I need to hurt someone else, which is an anger strategy. There are, there are lots of people who deal with anger this way, and it's not a healthy relationship thing to do, um, whether that's going to be like relationships with his friends or down the road, a relationship in a partnership. Like, we want to nip that idea. Again, this is where counselors can help because they can help the kid take that deep breath before yep. they speak to say, yep. like, what is a different way to handle this? Because it may be that he is so angry that when he says, I can't control my mouth, that he needs to feed that anger monster that says, make this person as mad as I feel. Um, mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. see it a lot in toddlers, but we also see it a lot in kids this age, right? And yep. this is where my kind of universal <laughs> advice that I always say, but it's very hard to do, do not board the crazy train. Part of the problem you are having is because you have given these words power in your house. You have decided that when they say this, you are going to get angry and implement X, Y, Z, as opposed to saying like, okay, he's saying this th- these things to me. He's on the crazy train and saying something to the effect of like, we have discussed that the words you are using are verbal abuse or that we don't use them towards people, right? Something like that. When you are calm and ready to talk to me, I'm here and I love you. And then yeah. walk away. If he won't move, you move. Guys, it's so hard. I don't want to make it sound like, hey, this is the easiest thing in the world because when your kid is screaming profanities at you, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, you want to like shake them. your Catholic mother, I love <laughs> yeah. that part. Yeah. It's like, oh gosh. I think you can just tell your Catholic grandmother to pray for you. <laughs> That's what I just say to her. Or, or fuck off. <laughs> oh, good grief. Um, I don't know if there's any utility to this. This might just be a Band-Aid or... This this might be foolish, foolish, but I was thinking about it. Is there a world in which pivoting to less offensive words could be helpful? Or is that just like, you're still encouraging the behavior? Because I was thinking like, instead of calling someone a fucker, you could call them a fart knocker. But I think this is, I think we're getting into but the weeds here. So that's the replacement you're looking for in order to give back some of the privileges. I, w- I was just thinking we went, obviously Henry has some um, issues that relate to the pandas that we kind of found ourselves in a similar situation. And, and for him, it was uh, that fight or flight pride of the brain, just getting like, this is the way he chose to fight us for a while. And mm-hmm. so I, I definitely empathize. I know for me, it was just like, okay, this is the pandas. Like I was able to just switch that part of my brain to say like, this is not, 
the sweet little Henry that is my child. This is like a different manifestation of him. I have to deal with that manifestation this way. But one of the things that we found really helpful was that um, although we kind of gave him a pass in the moment, we acknowledged the breaking of a relationship and we had a little mason jar full of popsicle sticks that had relationship rebuilding activities. And he Mm. would have to draw so many of those to do with us or to do for us or to to sort of mend that relationship. And then the result of that was kind of these privileges reinstated or additional Mm -hmm. privileges. Um, And it worked really well. And what I think that although it didn't stop for us, like now he manifests that angry in kind of in different ways, um, it did teach him this idea of making amends. And so now when we have these these crazy train activities that that happen, he's mm-hmm. good at understanding like my actions had a real consequence in my relationship and the way I can fix that would be to help mom with this chore that is hers, right? Or to do this thing for her that I know she likes or dad or whoever, right? It would be like okay, that went on for this long, five minutes, so you need to pick five jobs from the jar. And when you complete those jobs, we can continue to whatever the next things we were supposed to do are, but until you complete those, we're on this pause of, like, no bonus stuff. None of the fun activities, none of the stuff until you do these. And these are not huge, going to take you a day. This was like, he could draw one that said, you know, write or or draw a picture to the person who was mm. who was hurt. Like, oh, like little, that. little things. But with yeah. teaching the idea of these words have power. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is where I think, Zach, your idea comes in, is that maybe the solution to that is you're not punished if you say these other words, right? So you're welcome to scream these at me. And then we'll go from there, right? So stepping down that behavior mm-hmm. um, of like you won't get the consequence or have to draw these things if, if you use this other word that sounds <laughs> right. very similar. They are practicing some restraint, some you know distance between the way that they're feeling and then the way that they're reacting. There's like a moment of contemplation in there rather than just blurting out yeah. the terrible word. In high school softball, I can remember an umpire basically telling a teammate that she better come up with a different word because she would use swear words just as like part of her pumped up. And so she replaced them all with ridiculous things and it was hysterical. And then we all started using them. That's fun. Um, And it was super fun. It was just like, he just was like, this is not appropriate. And I'm not going to let you on the field if you're doing this. And that was it. You know, next day she was like, fine, I'll yell this other funny thing that sounds just like it, you know? Yeah, because it's about the release. Yeah, yeah. So, I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Well, I feel <laughs> for you, and I know, I really truly know, like, the kind of chaos that it just feels like your whole house is chaotic. So, I encourage you to grab control of what you have control over. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> for everything else, release yourself from the burden of, you know, if he swears at your grandmother in the middle of all this, you just have to tell your grandmother, we're we're in chaos. I don't, you know, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. don't let anyone make you feel bad about how you're moving forward because you're seeking answers and you're trying to do the right thing. And that is all we can do. Absolutely. <sighs> well, I swear we've tried everything. We hoped this helped. Maybe we gave you something new to try. We hope. We'd love know. to know if you've experienced anything like this. If so, what worked for you? Please let us know. You can email us at slate.com. Or you can send us a voice memo. We played a few on Monday's episode, and we would love to have some more from you. So please send those in. And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday with some more conundrums and recommendations. Please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. It helps us grow this wonderful parenting community. 
If you'd like more community, be sure to join us at the Slate Parenting Facebook group. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Jasmine Ellis. For Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. A parent on Facebook reached out looking for hobby ideas for adults. This got us thinking about our hobbies and the things we like to do that don't really involve our little ones. So, Zach, are you a hobby person? Do you have something cool that you like to do? I don't know how cool it is, but (laughs) yes, I mean, I have so much less time, obviously, for any of these things. And so... I mean, before I before I say my hobby, I would encourage anyone who's thinking like, I need to have a hobby. Like, <laughs> I imagine you're just as tired as I am. So like, give yourself a pass to just relax because this parenting thing is, is tough and there isn't much time. But the things that I love to do that actually give me energy include, uh, well, now I was mentioning it's spring, getting the garden together. Um, and that's a fun family activity, but I, I like, trying to grow vegetables. I just planted uh, some kale and broccoli and cauliflower, our cold crop. Ooh, so that, yes. that's exciting. Um, I love watching movies. I love to read magazines and books. I have a lot less time for that than I used to. But just like if I can just like fit in like one New Yorker article, I feel like I'm on vacation because I'm inevitably... You know, nine times out of ten, getting interrupted by one of my kids asking me for something. So, I love that you included reading and movies because I think there are people who do that, but think it's like that's like not enough. And I'm just like, it isn't. You, your hobby can be watching anything. Like that can be the yeah. thing you love to do, and and exactly. it doesn't so need to be to do. productive. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I guess my last like um, actual hobby would be. Um, playing kickball i'm in a kickball league oh, yes we've, we've been on this I've, I've had the same team generally for the last like 10 years um players come and go but like the core is still there and it's on mondays which is like this great thing to look forward to because mondays are, are often tough and so every monday it's like this really fun way to hang out with friends and uh get 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 some of the the uh like the team vibes that i was describing during the you know, when you were talking about Oliver and track and field. Do you go to that on your own or do you take your, like, does the family the whole, go? The whole family. Yeah. Um, yeah, she is on the team. Oh, okay. It's like, it's and, like a whole thing. That's perfect. Yeah. And so we take, we take both kids when the games are early enough. They start at six, seven, eight, or nine. Okay. So when they start at six or seven, we take the kids and it's really fun because one of Noah's friends, parents are on the team. So they hang out and, um, we'll see how Ami does this season. Last year, he was just kind of like sitting there, but I'm sure he'll <laughs> attempt to yeah. run on the field multiple That's times awesome. after one of us. But uh, yeah, the first game for us is next week. I have too many hobbies. Want <laughs> 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 I just turn off? That is a little bit maybe why I homeschool because it let me turn a bunch of my hobbies into my job. That's awesome. Um, no, but I mean, I I really like to teach myself new things so like um i didn't know how to sew and i went through a period where i was like sewing and making quilts and then once i got rather proficient at that um i don't do it as much i still do some and can make things i am over covid decided to teach myself to knit and now i'm teaching the kids to knit and i'm still working on that i I definitely am not proficient um embroidery i mean a lot of like hand 
crafts, things where I stab myself with needles while trying to make something. <laughs> but, the, you know, the post on Facebook project? felt like, <laughs> oh, my latest project, I am knitting um, a scarf for myself, but it's a scarf with two giant pockets because in my house, I like a lot of times it's like I want to not be like in a coat, but I'm also kind of cold, but I never have pockets. So, <laughs> yes, I found something I just that. for that. That's kind cool of a idea. shawly with pockets it's gonna be very very homeschool i sewed myself this like apron to wear while i'm doing homeschool so that we can just wipe everything on it and i put it on and i think it also helps with that like transition like okay i'm homeschooling i have the apron on okay now i'm not homeschooling we're kind of doing whatever we want um Mm. that's that's fine but i know the person that had posted was like very interested in wanted to like produce something and specifically they had said that they had started taking up crocheting but then didn't want to like make stuff and i want to say that when i got very into quilting one of the things that i found is there are like hospitals and nursing homes and places like that that really need blankets like to give them out and so whatever you are doing that you enjoy doing there is a way to make it like quote-unquote productive if what you feel like is like, well, I, I only knit scarves and I don't know how to make other scarves, like there are homeless shelters that need scarves knitted. Um, mm. And you can that I did a lot of that when I was first learning because I could only make like one thing. Um, and how many scarves does a family of five need? Five, not, <laughs> you know, like hundred. And, and now that's a good project to have the kids working on as well. Um, that's amazing. So they're making a scarf. Yeah. I mean, is it good? <laughs> No, but kids can really learn. They can start by finger knitting and you can make a very small scarf that way. And yeah, they're learning to knit That's and they, cool. we make lots of mistakes and it's not perfect, but uh, we just loop some thread and tie it so that it doesn't all unravel. And it's totally, there's a million YouTube videos out there uh, yeah. that can help you if you don't, if you don't even know what you're doing. But I have found that like, for me, these little hobbies, particularly one of the reasons now I like the knitting that it's portable And it helps me kind of be a better listener. So I bring it with me, like, if I'm going to sit at something where I'm going to be sitting and listening for a long time, I also do it in the carpool line. (laughs) Um, I bring it to, to, if we're, like, hanging out somewhere, I might just be knitting to help me stay focused. That's great. Yeah. So I agree, though. If you don't have a hobby, what Zach said, do not take this that you need to run out and and find a hobby. You probably have one. And it's the thing that you feel like you don't have enough time to do that you like to do. That is your hobby. And whatever it is, it's totally fine. (laughs) Yes. Agreed. It's supposed to bring you joy, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Slate Plus, thanks for listening. We'd love to hear what hobbies you are doing with or without your kids. So write us or send us a voice memo at slate.com. We'll talk to you on Monday for a normal show and you'll get another bonus segment on Thursday. Toodles! <laughs>